Carlson. And I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. It's our inaugural week of shows and our inaugural week on selloutcrowd.com as well. By the way, have you joined us yet? Go to selloutcrowd.com right now and you can get signed up for our emails. Barry, I know I'm fired up. I need to know, how fired up are you? Are you Brent Brent Venable's level of fired up? More Dana Holgerson fired up? Kalani Sataki, obviously two newcomers to the Big 12. Where's your fired up level at? Uh, I'm more on the Brent Venable side of things. Now, Jacqueline is going to kill us if we talk on this podcast as long as, uh, as Brent goes sometimes. But we're certainly capable. I am fired up. Perfect time to launch Sellout Crowd. We got the Thunder back in gear. We got a new look Big 12. We got the SEC coming. All kinds of things to get excited about. Working with you is at the top of the list. Uh, You can't keep a face like this off a video. So we got it. We had to go YouTube. We got to do shows. So, you know, everything's just working fabulous. It's going to be great. Yeah. And hey, a quick reminder about the Jenny and Barry show. We're going to bring you all things sports in Oklahoma come at you twice a week. And as Barry mentioned, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts that you love. And did I mention selloutcrowd.com? Yeah, I think I did. But I'm going to say it again. It's free. Go there. Sign up right now. Um, This week, we're previewing here on the Jenny and Barry show the upcoming season for the Oklahoma Sooners. And we'll be talking about Danny Stutzman and Desan McCullough. Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold. We're even going to talk about Boomer and Sooner, Barry. But first, Barry's going to explain why OU stunk so bad last season. Well, I kid. I, I sort of kid, Barry. The record stunk. The record <laughs> stunk. If you're a bottom line person, OU stunk. Yep. If you're and a hey, more nuanced person, OU didn't stink. Um, but... They did stink for most of the season. Sixth ranked when, when conference play began, Barry. Then obviously everybody knows. Went to TCU, lost their quarterback, got blown out. Then went to the State Fair of Texas and frankly had the worst State Fair experience anybody could possibly have had. We don't need to go anymore because I think OU fans remember what happened there. So I'll go back to my original question. Why was OU so bad last year? Well, first of all, I don't think it would take a lot of detective work to find thousands and thousands of Texans who had a more miserable State Fair, State Fair of Texas experience. Uh, just hang out at, uh, at the uh, Fair Park about 11 o'clock every Saturday night during October, and you're going to see some uh, things you wish you could unsee. But anyway, um, I actually think OU football 2022, Brent's first team, I think they were a pretty good football team. Not great, but pretty good. They just... They lost their quarterback for a game and a half. They got blown out of both games. And they lost all the close games. The year before, Lincoln Riley's last year, oh, you won all the close games. I actually think Lincoln's last team, which finished 11-2, and two, and Brent's first team, which finished 6-7, and seven, were pretty close in actual quality. You just got to win. If you win all your close games or you lose all your close games, things are going to get skewed. So I think OU football the last two years has been about an eight and five team. And the question is, uh, where do you go from there? So I don't think OU is trying to rally from, from a losing record, from being six and seven. I think they're starting at a higher point than that. So uh, this is not, this is not, they don't have the talent of the 2017 uh, squad. They don't have the talent of the 08 Bob Stoops squads or the 04 or 03, 2000 teams. 
but they're not derelict in talent. Um, if, if they lose a bunch of close games, they're going to stink again. But I don't expect that to happen. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of close games. Now, there are, you can to me, you can point to the defense and say that that's where close games turned. I mean, giving up 41 points to K-State, 55 at TCU, 49 against Texas, 51 at Texas Tech. They, I mean, even gave up 42 to Kansas. They beat the Jayhawks, but 42 to Kansas. So um, now the offense had some moments when it wasn't good. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel's concussion let everybody know uh, that OU had a <laughs> had a, a quarterback position that was frankly lacking at depth. Um, that may be a, a reality for a lot of teams with the transfer portal, but you know they had really nobody behind him that could take snaps in a a way that really made anything work. So that's changed with Jackson Arnold now in in the fold. I think they do have somebody they could put out there and get some positive results from, but they need Dylan Gabriel to stay healthy. When he was healthy last year, the offense was okay. Um, He had some inconsistencies, but it was better than the defense in most cases. But yeah, I mean, you're right, Barry. It does. It it was the game swung on, on very small things last year, but you got to be you got to be consistent and they weren't consistent defensively they weren't nearly as inconsistent on offense but they also could have their inconsistencies on offense so to win close games you got to bring that consistency and i think that's where they lacked a lot last season so that begs the question going into this season what's more likely Barry single digit wins for this oklahoma team or double digit wins for it i'm going to go double digit um, I think OU very well could have a team about as good as last year, but I think the uh, the uh, you know the the fortune thing with the close games is likely to even out, and the schedule is so easy, easiest schedule in OU history since at least World War II. I didn't look before World War II. Didn't have the uh, didn't have the uh, energy or even the uh, know how to rank them. But I knew how to gauge schedules since World War II. This is the easiest. Uh, it's really not even close. Six of OU's 12 opponents were not in a Power Five last season. The three non-conference games, uh, plus Brigham Young, Cincinnati, and Central Florida, uh, those are three uh, fairly potent mid-majors. They've done great things the last couple of years, but all have fallen from their recent uh, success uh, highs. Cincinnati's not a playoff contender. Central Florida is not going to be claiming a national championship. Brigham Young uh, is not uh, going to be uh, the, the national champion as it was in 1984 or even the, uh, the big winner it was in 21. So easy schedule by OU standards. Uh, I think the Sooners can get to 10 wins. Yeah, I, I'm going to go double digits being more likely as well. And and it is in large part because of the schedule. And I know that some people uh, in OU circles are kind of up in arms about the late season uh, games. Got to go to BYU on November 18th, which I assume there'll be some snow on the ground in Provo on, a, on November 18th. And then they got to come back for a Black Friday game, short week against TCU, obviously playing the national championship game a year ago. But if you think about it, I mean, if the Big 12 wanted to do OU bad, they could have done them real bad with the schedule. There's no K-State, there's no Baylor, there's no Texas Tech. I mean, teams that 
a lot of people think are going to be, especially K-State and Texas Tech, you got to think those two are going to be in the running for a Big 12 championship this year. So if anybody wants to say, oh, the, the, uh, the, you know, the Big 12 made it hard on OU, no, they didn't. Not, not with this schedule, they didn't. And, and yes, there'll be some difficult days there at the end of November. But for the most part, up until that point, there's not much about this schedule that OU fans should be worried about. All right, let's go with this, Barry. Finish this sentence. The Sooners will make big improvements if... The defensive newcomers are all that Brent Venables thinks they can be. Uh, Brent did a nice job in the portal, bringing in uh, not just uh, not just uh, talent, but uh, sort of uh, proven talent. Did really well in the portal. Uh, I'm thinking of... Uh, uh, Desan McCullough from uh, Indiana, pass rushing whiz. Uh, safety Reggie Pearson from Texas Tech. Defensive end Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest. Trace Ford, defensive end from OSU. Uh, I don't know that these, I'm pretty sure they're not all American caliber players, but uh, OU has a talent dearth at on defense. Brent knows it. Everybody knows it. He had to upgrade the talent. If these guys, can be uh, really good players, not necessarily stars, but really good players. Cowboy, uh, the Cowboys, the Sooners can take a big step up because the Sooners have been playing with sort of mediocre defensive talent. That's just, you know, that's not the Oklahoma standard. That's not the Oklahoma way. That had to be culture shock for Brent Venables when he came back from Clemson. He had to think, what, what have I inherited defensively? I think he went out and found some good ball players. If they are indeed what he thinks they are, OU's defense will be better. This OU football team will be better. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Sooners will make big strides towards improvement if the linebackers become playmakers. You know, in Brent Venable's defense, when we think about the great defenses that he led during his previous tenure at Oklahoma, you know, you've got Rocky Kalmus, you've got Teddy Lehman, you've got um, Curtis Lofton. I, you can run down the list of linebackers that are really good. This is a soapbox I've been on for several years, but they've they've had guys that played linebacker the last few years that they weren't bad, but they weren't playmakers. They weren't going out and affecting the play like we saw those legendary linebackers do in, in the previous Venable stint. Now, I don't know if they have the next Rocky Kalmus on, on the roster. I don't know about that. Maybe it's Desan McCullough. Maybe Danny Stutzman comes around and he plays that role for, for Oklahoma and their linebackers. I don't know who it is, but if those linebackers could be more uh, effective in, in making plays for this defense, I think that could go a very long way to becoming the defense that Brent Venables wants this defense to be. Um, as we Barry, you just mentioned newcomers. So let's talk about some, some individual players now. Who's your newcomer of the year on this team? I think it'll be Desan McCullough, um, uh, second-year guy from Indiana. Was a uh, <laughs> excuse me, a freshman star with the Hoosiers. Was a playmaker. I think he can really make a difference for this OU team. Very impressive guy. I mean, we've talked to him. He'll blow you away at his. Uh, uh, a presentation of himself um, in, in, a, in a positive way. I think he's going to be a team leader. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a guy that can, can rush the passer on a consistent basis, also drop out into coverage, do some things. 
all-around defensive player. I've already said I don't think he's an All-American. It's possible he can prove me wrong because I think he's going to have a big year. I think he, I think he's going to be uh, become basically the defensive star of this team. Yeah, I think he does have a chance. He, of, of those linebackers that I was talking about before needing to be playmakers, I think McCullough's got the best chance to be that playmaker. That, and I, I, I agree. I think he is going to be the newcomer of the year. But don't don't forget about Reggie Pearson. Um, I know in the defensive backfield, I know Peyton Bowen has got tons of buzz, rightfully so. Big-time high school recruit coming in, expected as a true freshman to play a lot of snaps. But Reggie Pearson started 20 games at Texas Tech. And before that, he started 13 games at Wisconsin. This guy has experience. He is going to be a veteran uh, going to be an experienced force in that defensive secondary. So I think he has a chance to affect a lot of what the Sooners do as well. So I'm going with you, Barry. I agree. Newcomer of the year is Desan McCullough, but I think it could also, I think we could also see some really good things out of Reggie Pearson. I love right. Reggie Pearson. I love Reggie Pearson. Remember, he's the guy that laid out Dylan Gabriel on that uh, trick play down in Lubbock uh, near the end of uh, uh, at the end of the overtime last year. So, yeah, he's a big hitter as well. Yeah. Speaking of Dylan Gabriel, talking about MVP of this team, I'm going to pick Dylan Gabriel, Barry. He's going to be the guy I'm going to go with because of the V part of that MVP value. We saw a year ago how valuable he was to this team. Now, I think, as I said before, I think they've got more options, better talent behind him at quarterback should he have an injury like he had a year ago with Jackson Arnold. But Still, I think the experience of Dylan Gabriel, I think his value to this team is really high. So I'm going Dylan Gabriel for Sooners MVP. What about you? Well, I could probably invent somebody uh, to uh, throw out there, but it's Dylan Gabriel. We saw it last year. Um, you know, uh, we've rarely seen an OU uh, offense give up the ghost when the quarterback goes out. OU basically did uh, at, at the Cotton Bowl basically said we can't run our offense without our quarterback. So uh, I think it's going to be Dylan Gabriel. Everybody loves Jackson Arnold. They think he's a future star. Maybe he is. But Dylan Gabriel is a really good college quarterback. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Caleb Williams. So he's got a lot of, uh, you know, of ghosts in his, in his closet that he's trying to, he's trying to overcome. But he's a very good quarterback. Sooners uh, would struggle without him. They have struggled without him. He's the MVP. Yeah. What about best player, Barry? That's a little different than most valuable player. Who you got as the Sooners' best player this season? Jacko, you have stumbled upon sort of the core of the OU football dilemma. You know why they've not gone 11-2, and 12-2, why they've not been back in the playoff, why have they not won the Big 12 championship uh, these last uh, couple of years? They haven't had good enough players? They, they don't have great players. We're sitting here wondering not just who's their best player. Do they have a great player? No. Who's their best player? We don't know. It might be Desan McCullough. It might be Dylan Gabriel. It might be some of these guys we've talked about. I'm going to throw out a couple of guys. I think there's a guy that's really underrated. He's really good. He plays a tough position. He's very solid. Sooners really need him. That's Woody Washington. I think he's a very good cornerback. Uh, corners are hard to find. I think OU has a good one in Woody Washington. An underrated player who I think is going to be really good 
I think he's got a chance to turn into maybe, uh, I haven't thought this through, but maybe OU's best uh, pro uh, pro potential, uh, at least going into this season. Uh, Tyler Guyton, the offensive uh, guard, I think he's going to be really a good player. It's possible he's going to be OU's best football player. But this speaks to the whole problem. Nobody stands out. OU needs a total talent upgrade. Yeah. And I, I actually am kind of doing a default um, like you as well, because it's really hard to say where the best talent is. But just because of the NFL potential we've seen come out of Bill Bedenboe's offensive line, I think I'm going to pick an offensive lineman. Now, you're right. It might be Tyler Guyton. Frankly, it might be Andrew Rame, the center, McCade Matower, uh, left guard. I don't know exactly who it is, but I'm going to venture a guess that OU's best player is an offensive lineman, and we're about to find out which one of those offensive linemen is the best uh, among them. So um, before we get to a lightning round, and then obviously we got to do some predictions before we get out of here, Barry, what about this question? What is the most important game on OU's schedule this year? Well, I think it's Texas. Uh, for a lot of reasons. It usually is Texas. It often is Texas. Uh, but Texas is massive in a couple, multiple ways. One, OU and Texas are picked uh, three and one, third and first going into the season. It's going to be a huge game for the for the Big 12 standings, no doubt about it. Number two, it's Texas. It's massive. It's huge. Number three, the SEC looms. OU has dominated Texas most of the last 20 years. When the uh, when the Big 12 uh, uh, learned that uh, that OU and Texas were headed to the SEC, uh, it was a uh, it was a case of well losing the big dog. That's the Sooners, not the Longhorns. Financially, yes. Competitively, no. But if the tech if the Texases can beat OU again, especially if it's not close. OU goes into the SEC, you know, you go to the SEC worrying how are we going to beat Georgia, how are we going to beat Alabama, how are we going to beat LSU. You start getting on a losing streak to Texas. Yep. And the number one question is, how are we going to beat Texas? Right. So, uh, and here's the other thing. Uh, Brent Venables needs to beat Texas. OU football coaches need to beat Texas. Uh, it helps with job security. So I think we're, de- we're dealing with uh, Texas clearly the most important game for a variety of reasons, some abnormal. Yeah. And I will say Texas looks like it actually, when you talk about finding best players on OU's team, I think Texas knows who its best players are this year. And maybe they're not a top five national team. Like some people have predicted that they could potentially move into something like that. This is still a really talented Texas team. So I think that's part of it, too. And then obviously 49-0, it sticks in the minds of every Sooner everywhere. So you want to come back from that. I will say the last Bedlam game at Stillwater is going to be important because it's Bedlam and it's not going to happen again for the foreseeable future. So I think those two games, I think because of what you said, Barry, and what happened last year in that Texas game, Texas ranks a little bit higher, but in terms of, the tradition, losing the tradition of Bedlam, obviously, uh, you know, that could be late season, a game that, uh, you know, if, if OU is in a position where they're vying for a playoff spot, that if you lose that game, that could be a really big hit to your playoff chances. So, or or your, your Big 12 title game chances, as we were talking before about Texas. So um, I think both of those games are important. I'll lean slightly towards Texas, but don't want to 
you know, I don't want to rule out the fact that I, that OSU game is going to be important for the Sooners as well. All right, quick lightning round. I'm going to go first on this one, Barry. Favorite game day, game day tradition at OU. I'm going flyovers. It's my favorite. They do them a lot at OU. I can't get enough of them. It's possible that's going to be the worst answer you've ever given, no matter how long this show goes. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm going to go, you, you, you like this supersonic technology stuff. I'm going to go the other way in transportation. The Sooner Schooner clearly is the best game day tradition. Now, I don't think we respect the Schooner enough. Uh, this is one of the great symbols of college football, uh, and it often has a great drama with it. The penalty in the Orange Bowl against Washington in 1984, the uh, crash, I think it was West Virginia was in town when the wheel broke and the, you know, the wagon goes flying, showing you the dangers of the pioneer days. And... Um, you know, it, it just uh, Americans are captivated by by the old West uh, and covered wagons. You know, wagon train, uh, tales of Wells Fargo, Death Valley days. Uh, the only thing that could beat the Schooners if the Sooners had a stagecoach instead. Hey, here's how much I love the Schooner. I'm going to ask you this lightning round question: the Pride or the Roughnecks? I'm going Roughnecks because of the Schooner, Barry. You keep getting this wrong, Jack. <laughs> the pride. I mean, just look at the name. The pride. It's the pride of Oklahoma. Every alum, every fan gets a charge when they see the band trotting out there. The the uh, the uh, drum major with his with his back bent halfway back, uh, playing either the state song or whatever you know whatever they might be playing. Uh, the pride marching through campus corner before the game. People love the band. Uh, the pride of Oklahoma is the way to go. All right. Lastly, in the lightning round, have you ever been freaked out by Boomer or Sooner? The mascot's no. not the chant. I do not understand anything about Boomer Sooner con con with the fans. I don't understand how anybody could be attracted to them, even if maybe if you're five years old. I also don't understand all the consternation they bring. All kinds of people don't like Boomer and Sooner. Yeah. Maybe because they perceived that they uh, ran off underdog and top dog, the old basketball and wrestling mascots from from yesteryear. I don't know. They don't engender anything in me. I don't I don't get excited. I don't get angry. I don't get anything. I just see him and say, hey, it's past the mustard. I just bought a hot dog. <laughs> hey, what you said, though, about kids, I actually think they're, they're kind of on the, the cuter side of mascots, although. I don't think mascots generally go for cute. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I've not been freaked out, but I just don't know if they sort of hit the note you want uh, when you're looking for a mascot. All right, time for predictions, Barry. Let's talk about the regular season record. What's OU's record going to be in the regular season? I'm going to go 10-2. and two. I think uh, the Sooners are going to be better uh, than most of the teams they play. I don't think the Big 12 is full of stout teams. I think it's a, a pretty open landscape for the Sooners. Uh, I do think Texas is going to be tough to beat. I think uh, OU has shown that it'll stumble a time or two. Uh, I do think the close games things, the close game thing, will work itself out. Um, I think uh, I don't know that OU is going to be have a have a really good team, but I think they're going to have a really good record. I'm going to say ten and two. 
I'm going 10 and two as well. And it's, it, it is in large part because of the schedule. You know, I, I will pick Texas barring something unexpected between now and that game. I, I think Texas will win that game. And then we're going to have to see, I think the November slate is where this season really turns for the, for the Sooners. You know, obviously it's a November that includes that Bedlam game, includes that trip to BYU, includes a, the finisher against TCU. How do the Sooners navigate November at a time when, you know, teams usually get a little more tired? Um, and, 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 you know, November has been a, a time when OU, when they've had good teams, they've been great in November. Bob Stoops teams that are that were uh, championship contenders, whether Big 12 or national, those teams had great Novembers. If this team has a really good November, they could finish 11 and one, you know, in that in that ballpark. And we know with the OU brand, 11 and one brings you an opportunity to go to the college football playoffs. So I don't think that's out of the question, but I'm going 10 and two for the Sooners this year. Lots of questions yet to be answered about this team. Obviously, we start getting answers on Saturday as they open. And that's it for the first Jenny and Barry show OU preview edition. And you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, I want to encourage you to go to selloutcrowd.com. If you haven't signed up for our emails already, you don't need to wait anymore. You can go there right now. No subscription needed. Join the crowd.